tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Time for the rundown with Rob Sanders. Well, we're waiting. Welcome into the rundown. I am Rob Sanders. Thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. I, as always, have a load of great things that I would love to share with you today. Of course. I'm here with you every day from 3 to 4 o'clock. Lawton Swan of Clemson Sports Talk will join us at 4. He has all of your Clemson knowledge as well as uh, all kinds of great stuff uh, in the sports world. So be sure to hang around for Lawton's show this afternoon from 4 to 6. So basically, we're going to get you home this afternoon. And I've got a lot of stuff I want to get into today. I'm going to tell you about the Gamecocks that are leaving, or Gamecocks that are being drafted. That's coming out today. Also, some Clemson players get drafted. We'll get into that as well. I'm going to break down the Super Regional Brackets. It is amazing with the amount of teams that are out, so we'll definitely get into that. Um, I've got some Clemson recruiting news. They pick up a big defensive tackle, the number two defensive tackle in the country for the 2020 class. And why I have a problem with that. People are like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I have a problem with, with that. And it's not just Clemson that does that. It's everybody that does that. So we'll get into that as well. But first... I, I'm going to have to get into something today that I really don't want to get into. And I know this sounds like a, it's a harsh thing, but I don't like to put my politics out to the world. Not that my politics are whacked out. Uh, I'm more of a person that is, uh, I mean, I like to read. I like to look at history. I think history is important. I also am, I, I have like this little section of me that is just uh, almost an isolationist. I know that sounds kind of awkward, but libertarianism, I think I've got a little bit of that in me. I've also got a little bit of, you know, leave me alone type thing, I guess is the best way to put it. And I don't really want to get into too much of that, but I've got this whole thing today where the president of the United States, Donald Trump, says they're blaming the, the Philadelphia Eagles for their cancellation of their Super Bowl celebratory event. That's the, the term that you use there. Now, this really bothers me because I think it's a great honor to be asked to go to the White House. Okay? I really do. I think that if you're asked to go... 
you know, it's an honor to go. But I'm also of the mentality that we are in America, and if you don't want to go, don't go. It's not really that complicated. But then you have this stuff where it's being made into like a media frenzy about it. It used to be that if you were the best team, you went and met with the president of the United States. Because the president of the United States is considered the head statesman. He's considered the head of the military. He's the head of the country. So in theory, he's also the country's number one sports fan. And if the president says, hey, you know what? I think that, uh, you know, if you're invited, the president invites you, you should probably go. But I also have the mentality of we live in America, and if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. So here's what happened. Let me give you the logistics on this, okay? The White House has blamed the Philadelphia Eagles for Donald Trump's decision to cancel the ceremony to celebrate their Super Bowl victory. According to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the Eagles notified the White House on May 31st that 81 individuals would attend the event, which was scheduled for Tuesday. A group of 1,000 Eagles fans were also scheduled to be a part of the ceremony, but late Friday, the Eagles attempted to reschedule the event, according to Sanders, though it had already been announced that Trump would be traveling overseas on the team's proposed dates. So, there may be some miscommunication there between the two parties. Okay? You do have some players that are on the fence saying, yeah, I'm not going to go, or yeah, I am going to go. Okay? But this is not ha- this has happened in the past, too. It's not necessarily just a political thing. Okay? You never get the full roster of people that are going to come to the White House. Now, if you have an NBA team, yeah, I mean, you know, there's 11 of them there, et cetera. You may notice somebody's missing or whatever. But if you have 81 of the Philadelphia Eagles there, that is a, a good portion of the team. Now, you got to think about this, too. A lot of players may have been cut. If you've been cut, do you want to go to a team that you've been cut from? My point is this. If the President of the United States invites you to the White House and you accept, then you're going to accept as the person that is offering whoever the Eagles decide to bring. Now, that's another end of it as well. But let's do some history here real quick. According to the Washington Post, in 1963, the Boston Celtics were the first NBA champions to visit the White House upon an invitation from John F. Kennedy. The Pittsburgh Steelers were the first Super Bowl champion to be honored in 1980 when President Carter waved a terrible towel at a ceremony outside the, inside the White House. Eleven years later, the Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins broke the ice for the NHL as the guest of President George Bush. And, of course, as one might guess, the history of the White House visits by baseball team dates back much farther. On April 30, on August 30th, 1865, President Andrew Johnson welcomed the Washington Nationals and Brooklyn Atlantics, two amateur clubs, into his home. 
1869, President Grant, an Ohio native, hosted the Cincinnati Red Stockings, which, by the way, that name right now, woof, you can't call a team the Red Stockings. That'll get you in trouble. I might get fired for saying that. I hope nobody's listening. If I'm saying the Red Stockings, will I get fired for that? Red Stockings, Red Stockings, Red Stockings. Let's make sure if I get fired, it's for something good. But they were baseball's first pro team, and celebratory visits by championship squads have also become common since the 80s. But the 1924 Washington Senators are generally believed to be the first winning, title-winning professional team to visit the White House. Okay, and of course, they're the Washington Senators, so they're the baseball team that's right there. Now, I say that to you because, in theory, it was 1980 when this all started. I can remember, like, in 81, there's a picture out there of Ronald Reagan holding up a Clemson shirt or a Clemson flag or something like that when the, when the Tigers won the title in 1981. That's kind of a cool picture. But there's a way to save this, Okay. Everybody's looking at this from a political perspective. And it's it's sad that it's become that because I guess I'm old school in my thinking that it's the office of the president that is inviting you. You don't have to like the president. Now, I'm not just saying this about Donald Trump because it's the same way with Barack Obama. Matt Burke, who played for the Baltimore Ravens, when they won their last Super Bowl title, he did not go to the White House because uh, Obama supported Planned Parenthood. It's his right not to go. He doesn't have to go. Now, I think with, with Trump, everything is turned up to the 80th degree. Now, in some ways, that's a good thing. In some ways, that's a bad thing. But in Trump's mind and the way that Trump thinks... If I'm the president, I invite you, every single damn one of you better show up. This is the White House. I am the president. You will show up. Thank you. Is that a closed-minded way of looking at some things? Yeah, it is. It really is, in my opinion. But if you extend the invite and you don't get the amount of people that you want there, you can't just take it back up and say, oh, to hell with all of you. You can't do that. Now, the plot thickens because it's going to get a lot worse. How do I know it's going to get a lot worse? Because LeBron James today met with the media to go over what was supposed to be just the NBA Finals. How bad are the Golden State Warriors going to kick you in the teeth? Can you guard Kevin Durant? I mean, there's a list upon list upon list upon all kinds of lists of stuff here. Okay? But... The first thing they asked LeBron about was about the stuff with the Eagles and how they were, their invite was basically pulled out from underneath them. And here's what LeBron James had to say. It's typical of him. I'm not surprised. Um, I'm just, you know, typical of him. And um, I don't know. I mean... I mean, I know no matter who wins this series, no one's no one wants to invite anyway. So it won't be Golden State or Cleveland going 
that's not surprising. Um, you know, hearing the news today with the Eagles. Um, but I think more importantly, we shouldn't, um, you know, as Americans and, and, and people, especially people in Philadelphia, shouldn't let, you know, that news take away from what that um, unbelievable team did and accomplished, um, what all those players did to sacrifice throughout each and every Sunday, you know, going on playing, you know, the style of football that they played and, you know, winning the Super Bowl the way they wanted. Um, you know, let's not let um, that accomplishment, um, things that you will, um, you know, have for the rest of your life. People will always call you a champion for the rest of your life. Let's not let, um, um, you know, someone uninviting you to their house um, take away from that moment um, because I think the championship um, of winning a, a Super Bowl or winning a Stanley Cup or winning a World Series or winning an NBA championship or a national championship um, is way bigger than getting invited to the White House, especially with him in there, in my opinion. So that's LeBron James from earlier this afternoon. And, you know, it's it's gotten to the point where Things are, everything is so political now. Everything. You know, we had it at one at one point in time where it's like, you never knew how Michael Jordan felt. I, I use Michael Jordan as an example because I think of a great player. But then, you never knew and it just never got out there. Okay, you just, if Michael Jordan was invited to the White House, he went to the White House. Now, I'm not of the mentality where you should be sitting here and saying, you know what, why don't you just shut up and play football? And by the way, the president's not that way either. You're saying, what? Let me read you his tweet. He says, the Philadelphia Eagles football team was invited to the White House. Unfortunately, only a small number of players decided to come. That's not a very true statement, Mr. President. 81 people from the Philadelphia Eagles said they were coming. That is a lot of a football team there. But he brought it, and then he says, um, so we've decided we canceled the event. Staying in the locker room from the playing of our national anthem is as disrespectful to our country as kneeling. Sorry. Now, what the president did here is that everybody, the majority of the Trump supporters that I know, and I guess I should put out there that I wasn't, I've never been a Trump guy. I, I, there were several other Republican candidates that I thought were just a lot better candidates. And I, I thought that when Donald Trump was running for president, I thought he was doing it as a show. I thought he was trying to, to boost a TV rating or whatever. So I could never in my right mind vote for him just because I thought that he was doing it as a joke. But the majority of the people that support Trump are the first ones to say, you know what, why don't they just shut up and play ball? But then the president tweets out that. Now, I'm on record here as saying that I think that people should stand for the national anthem. But I ha I'm on record as saying that because it's a private inter entity, the NFL is. It's a privilege to be on an NFL team. It's owned by an owner. And if he tells you, I want you to stand for the national anthem, then you probably should stand for the national anthem. If you don't want to stand for the national anthem, then that's fine. 
they made a compromise. You can go to the locker room. But then Trump tweets this out, and it kind of takes away the whole argument of, well, they should just play football. Well, maybe you should just stay out of the sport, sir. You know? It's very frustrating and just very hard to deal with when you see all of this because you don't really know how to feel. I, I am definitely in the camp of standing for the national anthem. I think that's respectful. But when you uninvite an entire team simply because some of the players decided they weren't coming, that just makes you look petty. It makes you look really, really petty. And it makes the office of the presidency look cheap. And if the players don't want to go, the, the digni- more dignified thing to do is, is you've already invited them. It's a tradition that's been going on since the 80s. And literally, you could stand up there and say, you know what, I wish that everybody would be here and the entire team can celebrate together here in the White House like teams of the past, but your politics and your thinking of the president kept you from that. You could do that. That's the more logical thing to do. Or you could do what Barack Obama did and just be like, whatever, I'm inviting the team. They show up. I'll go out here and greet the team. If Matt Burke doesn't agree with me, that's fine. I'm continuing the tradition of having them in the White House. Or you can go with option three. And option three is the nuclear option. Donald Trump could tomorrow say, you know what? Everybody's using this this thing of coming to the White House as a political step stool. I'm not inviting any more teams back to the White House. For the rest of my presidency, we will not have it. That's the easy thing to do, in my opinion, because then you don't have to worry about LeBron James and Stephen Curry, the first thing they're going to be asked in the press conference or the next day after they've battled their hearts out to win the NBA Finals is, are you going to go to the White House? That's not even a question then. You can take it completely out of everybody's hands. What do you think about this? 803-978-1832 is the number. 803-978-1832. It's really hard when you stop and think about it, but those are the three things that I think should happen. And we'll revisit this after the break. I've also got the list of players that have been drafted for both South Carolina and Clemson. I've got some recruiting news for Clemson and why I don't like what's happening up at Clemson, and it's happening across the country. So if you're a Gamecock fan, don't sit there and think, oh, he's going to bash Clemson. No, I'm going to bash football in general. So all that and a lot more. You're listening to The Rundown. I'm Rob Sanders. I'll be right back. Welcome back to The Rundown. Follow Rob on Twitter at RobSoundsGood. Welcome back to The Rundown. I am Rob Sanders. You know, talking today about the stuff going on with the president and, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles. Their invite to the White House has been taken away. In a statement, Trump said the Eagle players disagree with their president because he insists that they proudly stand for the national anthem 
hand on heart in honor of the great men and women of our military and the people of our country. Actually, that's not really true. Because last season, there were no players from the Philadelphia Eagles that kneeled during the National Anthem. So they all stood during the National Anthem. I know that sounds kind of crazy, and it sounds like I'm railing against the president, but I'm not. If you don't have any proof that they were disrespecting the National Anthem, then what do you got? Some of them said they didn't want to come. This is after the draft. Team, you know, players leave the team. It's just, it's frustrating on several levels because it's turned into a political event. And it shouldn't be. It just should be a congratulations from the President of the United States. That's it. Regardless of who the President is in office. It's not a political thing. But President Trump can do away with it. You don't have to do anything with it. Just say, you know what? Nah, we're done. I have other things I can do with my time. It's not like the president has a ton of time anyway. But you can definitely do that. Or you can go with the other three options. But in my opinion, maybe I'm just Southern. But if I invite you and your family, which is what the Eagles are, then I'm not going to pull the invite because you don't bring X person or Y person. I could say something when, X, when, when you get there. But pulling the invite doesn't make any sense, especially for the reason that he said. They disagree with their president because he insists they proudly stand for the national anthem hand on heart. But according to ESPN, none of the Eagles kneel during the national anthem. So this isn't a story. It really isn't. It's just frustrating. And, of course, LeBron James comes out today and says that neither the Warriors or the Cavs will be going if they're invited. Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Warriors, said uh, Donald Trump is trying to divide us all. And, of course, that's his opinion. But it doesn't have to be made political. Because I guarantee you a lot of people feel like... Um, Laura Ingram and say basically they should just bounce the ball and go about their merry way. Well, if they did, the president shouldn't make everything a political issue. You shouldn't be, as the president, trying to get into the private business of the NFL. Doesn't make any sense. You're basically trying to tell the NFL how to do business. The NFL has already supposed, supposedly fixed the national anthem problem. And it's sad that I have to use the term national anthem problem. But that's basically what it's come down to. And the way that they fix that is by saying you'll stand for the national anthem or you'll sit in the locker room. That's respectful in my opinion. And, and here's the other thing too. I went to a baseball game down at the Firefly Stadium the other day. Love to go catch some Fireflies games. During the National Anthem, the majority of the crowd stood up. But you know what? There were still people getting beer. There were still people trying to hustle to their seats. There were still people going in and out of the bathrooms. 
there were people going up and down to get concessions, whatever. That's still happening. So should all those people be kicked out of the stadium? I don't understand. I really don't get it. It's not supposed to be this big of a political issue. If you're respectful, you'll stop for the national anthem and stand there. And if you don't, then we as the public get to judge you as an idiot. As a disrespectful person. Okay? But it shouldn't count against you. I could just look at you and be like, oh, that guy's crazy. It doesn't have to be this complicated. It really doesn't. So I do think that there's some miscommunication on both sides, but you know who I feel the worst for? There were a thousand Eagles fans who were scheduled to be part of the ceremony today to honor their team. And the Eagles had the opportunity. They haven't, you know, won the Super Bowl. I mean, it's a big deal to win the Super Bowl. There's only one champion every year. And it's not the Patriots this year, which happens a lot. But they had the opportunity to go, and there's a 1,000 fans up in Washington today thinking they're going to get to see their champion team. And they're not all over politics and it sucks it really sucks 803-978-1832 803-978-1832 is the number if you want to get involved with the program i'm going to go over the super regional bracket we'll get back to this later on if you want call up anytime with this man because i really would like to know how you feel about it 803-978-1832 is the number you've got some gamecocks that have been picked in the draft today We'll get into that. A Clemson player got picked last night. Also, a Clemson uh, signee has been picked. And the crazy thing is, is that he's never suited up for Clemson, but he's been going to be drafted here, and he has to make a decision. So we'll get into that in a little bit. My super regional breakdown, I've also got a set on recruiting for Clemson where they got the nation's number two defensive tackle for the 2020 season. Wait, what? Yeah, I have serious issues with that. NBA Finals get back underway tomorrow. I've also got some comments from uh, Coach Mark Kingston after the Gamecocks advance to the Super Regional. How many people had the Gamecocks advancing to the Super Regional? I didn't. I didn't have them making the, making the tournament. I thought after they lost to Presbyterian, they weren't going to make the tournament. And you're riding in your car right now, and you're like, oh, I knew they were going to go. No, you didn't. Stop lying to yourself. I can show you hundreds of Gamecock tweets about maybe we should fire Mark Kingston, and maybe Kingston isn't the man, and why won't Ray Tanner come down from the uh, athletic director's office and fix this program? So, Yeah. I knew about maybe, I'd say, 15 of my Gamecock friends that were, yeah, they can turn it around. Me, after the Presbyterian loss, I was like, yeah, that's not happening. It's not happening at all. But the Gamecocks, they have dusted it off, man. You got to respect what Coach Kingston has done because they were flat, absolutely flat. I'm talking like playing the Undertaker's theme song from the WWE, flat. 
and just ridiculous. Dropping that game to Presbyterian, I mean, they ended up with a losing record against the in-state teams for this year. I can't remember the last time that happened. Not just counting the Clemson games. I'm talking games with Furman, the College of Charleston, you know, Wofford, the Citadel, etc. I think the Gamecocks finished like 6-7 and seven on the year. Absolutely crazy stuff there with the Gamecock baseball team. They are definitely peaking at the right time. Kent online today has raising his hand that he thought they were still going to make it. I don't believe you, Kent. I'm sorry. I think the majority of the Gamecock fan base was like, no, nah, it's not happening. And can, I can't blame you, though. Really can't. I mean, dropping a game to Presbyterian, losing to the Citadel, losing to VMI, losing to Furman, I mean, losing to the College of Charleston, getting one hit by the College of Charleston, I can understand where you're thinking, hey, maybe this isn't going to happen. But there definitely was some fire left in the Gamecocks, and they're definitely peaking at the right time. So we'll have some comments from Coach Kingston here in just a little bit. Also, I'll update you on the Omaha Challenge with myself and, of course, Lawton Swan of Clemson Sports Talk. Lawton's bracket looks a lot different than my bracket. Oof. But it's actually close. So I'll give you an update on that, and I'll give you a look at the Super Regionals in just a second. This is The Rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400. I'm Rob Sanders. I'll be right back. More of the rundown. Check out Rob's blog at foxsportsradio1400.com. Check it! Oh, welcome back to the rundown. I am Rob Sanders. Thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. We've spoken a little bit earlier about the media frenzy that is the Donald Trump mess that's going on where, okay, I'm going to invite you, but I'm not going to invite you. It just doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't be an issue at all. It really shouldn't. Kind of crazy. All right. If you want to respond to that this afternoon, 803-978-1832. 803-978-1832. The Gamecock baseball team have rallied yesterday. I say rally. What I mean by it, they've been rallying all season as they advance to the Super Regionals. Kent says... Online says, hey, I had the Gamecocks going to the tournament. I think Ken is lying to me. Sorry, Kent. I think a lot of Gamecock fans buried this team when they lost to Presbyterian. And then yesterday, they advanced to the Super Regionals. Very happy for our team. Very happy for our alumni. Very happy for our fans and everybody that cares about Gamecock baseball. Um, big day for us today, going to the Super Regionals um, from where we were about the midway point happy for everybody that cares about this program so that's coach mark kingston yesterday after the gamecocks win over unc wilmington and advance to the college world's uh, the second round which is basically the super regionals as uh, they win the greenville regional 
And they will hit the road and play in the Arkansas Regional. That game comes up this weekend. Now, I'm going to give you the rest of the matchups, too. Here's the funny thing, okay? Florida, the number one overall seed, they win. They'll match up with Auburn. Auburn wins the NC State Regional. Texas Tech won their regional. Duke took two games from Georgia yesterday. Everybody laughed at me when I said, this Duke team is really good. They got Mr. Marlin's kid. They can really play. Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, shut up. Georgia's going to beat them. Be quiet. Then Duke goes out and drops their first game. And then they come back and win everything after that. Not very many teams lose their opener and then come back and win the regional. That doesn't happen very often. So Duke is a special team. Texas Tech better hold their head up and do what they need to do because Duke can definitely take them. Write that down. Arkansas and South Carolina, of course, I mentioned earlier. Texas and Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech won 52 games this season. That is a ton of games. Texas, of course, won their regional uh, winning over Texas A&M and Indiana and Texas Southern. Tennessee Tech won the Ole Miss Regional. Ole Miss was a great team throughout the season. Stanford can't get out of their regional. They fall to Cal State Fullerton. Washington wins the uh, Conway Regional. Clemson, of course, drops their regional to Vanderbilt. Mississippi State wins the Tallahassee Regional. North Carolina holds serve with their regional. Stetson wins the Dalen Regional. Minnesota and Oregon State round out that side. Now, what have we learned from all of this? Number one seeds go away quickly. Cal State Fullerton took one out. Washington took one out. Vanderbilt and Mississippi State took one out. So that's four. On the other side of the bracket, South Carolina got them one. Tennessee Tech got one. That's six. Auburn got one as seven. And Duke got one as eight. So eight of the 16 number one seeds did not advance. So that there really isn't that much far off, in my opinion, from being a one to a two seed. And I've got the bracket here to, to prove my point. So I still like Florida to win it all. I think they've got the most talent. You got to like Auburn, though, too, because Auburn's got, it all comes down to pitching, in my opinion. If you have great pitching, you've got an opportunity to win some games. Auburn's got the number one player in the, in the MLB draft running out there for them. So I kind of like Auburn's chances against Florida, but then again, you never know. The Gators are just talented across the board. Texas Tech and Duke. Duke, is, Duke can really hit the ball. I don't really know what South Carolina is great at. Other than being gritty, what are they just locked down great at? Help me out with that. 803-978-1832. Tell me what this is the great thing about this Gamecock baseball team. It seems like they do a lot of little things pretty good. But they don't have, you don't look at them and think, okay, this is, they're going to shut you down with this. They're going to do that. They're a complete team, whatever. Tennessee Tech hits the ball very well. 
I think they're going to advance. I think they can beat Texas. That'll make some people angry out in Austin. Cal State Fullerton winning the Stanford Regional. You know, they were a pick from Aaron Fitt at D1 Baseball. He was big on Cal State Fullerton. And they were the three seed in that regional. Of course, Baylor was in that regional. They went into that winning 23 out of their last 25 games. Only good enough to get them as a two seed, but they couldn't advance either. The Coastal Regional, everybody loved UConn. And how could you not like Coastal Carolina? And they're out as well. Washington ended up winning that regional as a three seed. So you got two three seeds. We're going to have one three seed in the College World Series because Cal State, Fullerton, and Washington match up with each other. Vanderbilt, in my opinion, has got great pitching. Ask Clemson about that. Mississippi State has has some clutch ability, but with that, we'll have another two seed in the in the College World Series. Then chalk the rest of the way with North Carolina, Stetson, Minnesota, and Oregon State. But it really isn't that much of a a big difference between a one and a two seed, and obviously some three seeds. UNC Wilmington yesterday gave. South Carolina some grief there. I mean, they, you never really thought the Gamecocks were going to drop that game, but they did play some good baseball yesterday. So parity is a big thing, in my opinion, in college baseball. It really is. You could have a one or a, a one seed or two seed or maybe even a three seed. We're going to have two three seeds in the final eight. So think about that for a minute. Three seeds that would probably not be in the top 25, but they're going to be in the final eight. One of them is to compete for the national title. How many people had Duke winning over Georgia? Raise your hand. Probably the same amount of people that had South Carolina advancing out of the super region, advancing out of the regional. I did have Duke over Georgia. I'm picking at you on that. That's one of the correct picks. And then, of course, I missed a ton of them. Speaking of the Omaha challenge between Lawton Swan and I, I have 44 total points. We're doing this all on D1 Baseball, by the way. You can enter your bracket there. Lawton Swan has 42. Lawton Swan, though, is in a world of trouble because his national champion, he had the Clemson Tigers. So he can't gain any points for that. So it looks like Rob's going to be getting a stake. And Lawton Swan's got to pay for it. It'll probably be like Chopstake, knowing the Swan. Make sure you follow him this afternoon. He'll be here at 4 o'clock. Until then, I'll be with you. Until then, I am Rob Sanders. This is The Rundown on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Welcome back to The Rundown. Follow Rob on Twitter at RobSoundsGood. Welcome back to The Rundown. I am Rob Sanders. Appreciate everybody following me this afternoon on Facebook Live. Instant reaction from them. Lawton Swan owes me a steak. I'm pretty much sure of it, but Positive Mike says he wants a steak. Maybe Positive Mike's hungry. We should get uh, feed that man a steak with some sling, a slingshot. <laughs> Lewis Boland says that he remembered. Yeah. 
He was one of the guys that got, was on me about, yeah, the Gamecocks are going to make it, Rob. You're being stupid. I'm like, man, they lost to Presbyterian. Nah, it didn't matter. Lewis, Lewis was stuck on it. Kent Phillips was not, though. He buried him. He was like, yeah, they're not making it. All right, so let's talk about some Gamecocks that were picked in the MLB draft. Adam Hill and Carlos Cortez are both going to be in the New York Mets organization. Wait, what? Oh, we have a Mets affiliate here in Columbia with the Fireflies. Cortez, who's hit 260 this year, was picked number 83 overall by the Mets. And then they picked Adam Hill in the fourth round with the number 110 overall pick. So there's a chance that next season, if they both sign, you could go and watch Cortez and Adam Hill play for the Fireflies. That could happen. It's not that far-fetched. They joined signee Owen White. He was picked number 55 overall by the Texas Rangers last night. So I'm going to have Kevin Fitzgerald on from the Columbia Fireflies, and he can't speculate with what the Mets are going to do with their roster, but we'll talk some Fireflies baseball later this week. But you could, in theory, have those two young men next season here in Columbia. If I were them, I would not get rid of my apartment or whatever off campus. Because, um, yeah, <laughs> you can run from Founders Park to uh, Spirit Communications Park in a minute. Let's look at Clemson. Of course, they had Seth Beer drafted in the first round. He goes number 28 overall to the Houston Astros. Seth Beer's been a dynamic player since he's gotten into college baseball. It's fun to watch him uh Fun to watch him play. I mean, towards the end of this season, it seemed like he was trying to hit too many homers. But he was just a special player. Won the Dick Hauser Trophy as the nation's best player as a freshman in 2016. He had 369, 18 homers, 70 RPIs, and a 700 slugging percentage. Led the ACC in home runs and slugging percentage this year. And finished with a 301 batting average and 54 RBI. So Seth Beer is going to uh, get his chance with the Houston Astros. Clemson's last first-round selection was Richie Schaefer. He went with the 25th pick to Tampa Bay in 2012. Now, Beer has a remaining year of eligibility and until a mid-July deadline to sign a pro contract. I think he's going to go. Don't get your hopes up there, Clemson fans. It's slotted for $2.399 million for him to go. Now, if they don't, you know, if Beer doesn't like the contract, he can always go back to college. Yeah, but I highly doubt that. So we have that also. Clemson right-handed pitcher, uh, the junior Riley Gilliam, was selected as the 140 overall pick in the draft by the Mets. So he may be coming in here as a Columbia Firefly. That may happen as well. He was an All-American this year with an 11-save junior campaign. That pick is slotted to make about $379,000. A Clemson signee is drafted in the second round. Outfielder Parker Meadows was picked 44th in the second round by the Detroit Tigers. That pick is worth $1.625 million. 
He was a perfect game All-American, ranked the number 42 prospect by MLB.com going into the draft. I doubt he heads to Clemson. So Monty Lee's got some work to do. He's got to replace Seth Beer. Got to replace Ryan Gilliam. Got to replace this young man, Parker Meadows. Lots of work to do up there in Tigertown if they want to keep moving up and trying to advance past that regional round. All right, last thing I'm going to get into today, and this is just me being trivial. I mean, it really is. But Clemson landed its first 2020 commitment from a Dabo Sweeney camp attendee on Tuesday. Four-star rated Hartsville, South Carolina defensive tackle DeMonte Capehart pledged to be a Tiger. He's rated as the number two defensive tackle in the nation by 247 Sports, as well as the number uh, number two player in the state and the number 38 prospect in the nation. He held offers from Florida, North Carolina, Tennessee, Duke, and South Carolina. Recently won the defensive line MVP at the rival three-stripe game and was named to the all-zone team. But here's the problem that I have with all this. He's still got to play his junior and senior year of high school. He just finished his sophomore year of high school. Why in the world is any college team recruiting kids that far out? I don't think they should be able to offer them until after their junior year, the summer after their junior year, heading into their senior year. This should be like hotbed recruiting time now with recruits committing, etc. But not kids that are that far off because they can change their mind in a nanosecond. None of, you know, nobody ever talks about the kids that move from here to there and say, you know what, I'm going to play here and that's my first commitment because things can change. And it's just, it's silly that it's that crazy in college football right now. What does this kid have to work for his junior and senior year? He's got an offer from Clemson. I mean, I'm sure they can pull it whenever they want, but... Let him, let him get this offer after. You can't offer them until after their junior year, the summer after their junior year. That way they know going in, okay, before they hit their, their summer practices, which, by the way, are not that far off. Summer conditioning, et cetera. Yeah, that's going on. Love some high school football. We're going to have Lou Bajak in from the state newspaper. He's going to talk some high school football for us when that, that gets here. Love going to watch a football game in the South, man. It's just different than going up north. I lived up north, and it's just a completely different animal going up there to a high school game as compared to going down here. I like going to games like uh, with smaller schools, like a 1A school. Like go to a, um, like a Mineta Ridge Spring game or something like that. Those, those like communities are on fire with their football teams. But we're going to definitely talk some co- high school football this year. In addition to college football, this show is going to be on fire for college football season because I have several opinions. I'm going to make people angry, and they're going to th- want to throw stuff at me, and I'm fine with that. But one thing we can definitely fix 
is this recruiting in, in angle. Don't offer these kids until after their junior year. They don't know what they want to do. The summer after my sophomore year, man, I was cutting tobacco in Kentucky trying to get my girlfriend to give me a kiss. <laughs> you know, I wasn't... I had no clue what I wanted to do as far as what college I wanted to go to. Insane. Absolutely insane. All right. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter this afternoon. Thanks a lot to a lot of folks that follow me online today. Kent Phillips, Lewis, uh, let's see here, Beth, Positive Mike, Rebecca, uh, Beth, all kind of folks following online today. I appreciate that. Download the podcast. It's at FoxSportsRadio1400.com. You can also get it on your iPhone. That makes it real simple. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rob Sounds Good. I tweet out stuff throughout the day. Now, Lawton Swan of Clemson Sports Talk, the czar of Clemson Sports, he is coming in in just a moment. Be sure to be nice to him this afternoon. This is The Rundown. I am Rob Sanders. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.